Here we go, season seven. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we're calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the new covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that salvation was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. November 18th, 2020. This is Messiah Matters number 322. Wishing I was in Rhode Island right now. My name is Caleb Egg. Oh, you threw me for a loop. That's right. Wishing I was with Caleb in Rhode Island at ETS, except that everybody from ETS would there too. That's the thing. I'm Rob Vanoff. <laughs> For those who don't bad. know what's going, for those who don't know what's going on, normally this week we would be taking off, and the reason why is because we would have left yesterday to fly into Boston, Boston, and we would have then taken a car down to Rhode Island, and we would be We would be currently attending the first sessions of the Evangelical Theological Society. We then would have driven our car after the on friday we would have driven back to boston and we would have started the society of biblical literature unfortunately due to the cursed covid uh all that the was canceled COVID. actually it wasn't canceled they're trying to do it all online but who wants to do it online the bet i mean really what do we go to the ets and sbl for the answer is the book display we and not just for the books but mind you it's not just so that we can go and flip through some pages that's not it Rather, it is more to be able to talk to people in the book display. You know, I'm listening. Yeah, interaction I'm, with, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Figuring out what, uh, you know, Wallace, Dr. Wallace is working on right now. Or asking N.T. Wright, you know, what he's, what you know, if he like can How sign- many times do you, yeah, you, you're walking down the, the <laughs> you know, a big corridor or whatever, and then you see someone, you're like, hey. I know who that is. And you go over and you introduce yourself and ask some questions. Yeah. Say, th- I really like the book you wrote or, you know, what you're working on. You know, last time we were in uh, Rhode Island, we had lunch with Blumenthal. 
Derek Blumenthal. That guy's a good guy. Woot, woot. I, I miss that and guy. And I think Mr. Uh, Mr. Bobby was there, too. If I Bobby Walters. Yes, Bobby Walters was uh, there, Chosen too. Chosen People Ministries out of uh, New York. We had some, yeah. I, this show is sponsored by all of the horrible accents that Rob and I are trying to do. Anyway. I'm uh, no good. Uh, me neither. Okay. I know that there's, who's the comedian? Does the basta and you got to eat the lobster. I have no clue. What and he's like, about. I like butter too, but I'm not going to eat a, <laughs> I'm not going to eat a sea bug. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Gross. Have you seen that? He's like, God's up in heaven saying, do I need to send Jesus back down there to tell them to stop eating that stuff? Nice. Okay. How far in the sea do I have to hide that? Before you recite an entire comedian's uh, show. That's totally, I butchered it. It's not even a recit. I don't even want it to be called a recitation. It's okay. It's fine. We <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, hey, everybody. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Please. Please, please. I've, I went into our matrix. I understand, I, I understand how many of you are not subscribed. So those of you who are subscribed, who continue to hear me say subscribe, it's because there's like 80% of you who are watching this right now and are not subscribed. So if you, if you, if you like, if you like children, then you need to subscribe because <laughs> th that's, that's part of liking children. If if you you know you know if you like cuddly things like koalas, you have to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Okay, be a part of the conversation. Two five three four six five thirty two zero five. It's two five three four six five thirty two zero five. You can also send us an email. See Hag at torahresource com. It's C H E G G at torahresource com. Go to Torah Resource and find all sorts of wonderful things. By the way, we have a huge blowout sale going on right now. Go to Torah Resource and get stuff for unbelievable prices. Or hold out until Black Friday. And on Black Friday, we will have digital copies of stuff on Super Sale. So if you want a physical book, go now. Otherwise, go on uh, go on Black Friday for digital copies. One of our listeners has procured for us as a donation a uh, the URL, messiahmatters.com. And uh, so we are super excited about that. We've been talking about how we're going to uh, utilize that and what we're going to do with it. Right now, it doesn't go anywhere. It will go somewhere soon. It will go to a website uh, specifically designed for Messiah Matters. And so we uh, are very excited about that. And uh, yeah, thank you to that listener. We, uh, I, I mean, yeah, that person's going to be an executive producer for a long time. Uh, because You know who you are. You know who you are. You will, may, yeah. Maybe your name will be in in yellow, or maybe it'll be in white. Oh. When do when do we get a? When's the next mug? Uh, next mug will come out. Is that uh, a month out still or so? Yeah, we're about a month out. Uh, so yeah, good times. Okay, let's uh, let's jump in. We got a lot to talk about today, and I I will admit before we jump into this, I uh, I, I screwed up big time. I accidentally erased my folder from last week which had a sound clip in it and my notes from last Dope. week. Dope. But you know what? It's okay because we have awesome listeners who continue to just throw us all sorts of great content. And uh, so, you know, who needs it? Who needs who needs all of my, my past my past work? Who needs that? No one. <laughs> no one, apparently. <laughs> anyway, Unashamed of Jesus writes in, says this, Question about the Sabbath. Okay, and actually, we could have named this something about the Sabbath because we got a couple of things regarding the Sabbath. What's the, what's the show called? Messiah Matters. Except, 
No. <laughs> Our show is called Messiah Matters. <laughs> Oh, that. that's what it is. Oh, thank you. What did you ask? <laughs> I meant this episode. You said oh, we should name. What did I? Uh, what did I name this episode? Does anyone? It doesn't know? even matter. It's uh, covenant obligation? Question mark. That's what it is. Covenant oh, obligation. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking okay. about. Okay. Let's. Yeah. I, I. For those who wonder about the process of this show, I come up with the titles of these shows. A, about 30 minutes before we go on air and they're usually they're usually just me looking at the notes going um is there a common theme here uh so there's not a lot of thought that goes into it i apologize in fact when people come into the into the chat room they'll be like oh i'm so excited for the topic today and i'm like i don't even know if we're really talking about that <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway uh, okay so uh unashamed of jesus writes in he says question about the sabbath if the sabbath is still required for new covenant believers okay hang on let's stop right there by the way this is one of the things that i've tried to kind of slip into our shows what are the requirements for like if we are covenant members and if and if christians uh if we're we as christians are going to say we are new covenant members every covenant has stipulations it has requirements it has you know right and so, at least on one side. So the question that would need to be asked about if we are New Covenant members, the question that I would need to ask and you would need to ask and any Christian would need to ask is, what are the covenant stipulations? What are the covenant requirements? Are there blessings? Are there curses? Is there ways to, like, what is, what's the deal with the covenant? And the lack of, of uh, and I'm not saying this about unashamed of Jesus, by the way. Please don't hear me putting this, this gentleman down. I'm just, in general, thinking out loud. Uh, the lack of, of research and studying the word to understand what the stipulations and the blessings are of the new covenant for, among the Christian church today, and general statement I know, is, is a travesty. Uh, when we look at the new covenant, what are the, the covenant regulations? I would argue that the covenant regulations for the new covenant are the Mosaic regulations. In other words, he says, I will write the Torah on your heart. So the, the, the stipulations for the new covenant are the regulations of the Mosaic covenant. The difference is, is that God writes them on our heart and enables us through the Holy Spirit to be able to keep them. And the the um the curses of the law in other words the condemnation of the law is not there because we are set free and come into the new covenant through Christ but when we look at the new covenant oftentimes people within the, the mainstream christian church just take the the covenant obligation and say oh we don't have to do that because we're in the new covenant well the new covenant has stipulations as well and it seems clear from the text that those stipulations are the law. Anyway, okay, so let's go on with uh, with Unashamed of Jesus' comment. He says, if the Sabbath is still required for New Covenant believers, then why didn't Jesus command the Sabbath even once? If the Sabbath required for is required for Gentiles, I would think Jesus would make that clear. First of all, I would say he commanded it twice in the Apostolic Scriptures. He says, uh, truly, truly, I say unto you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or stroke will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So that's one. 
That's one. The second time he commands it is when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If Yeshua is deity, if Yeshua is God, if Jesus is the creator, as the scripture claims he is, and the creator is the one who gave us the law, and the Sabbath is part of the law, then when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, that would be the second time. Here's another. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the the Sabbath. Sabbath. Exactly. He says, Yeshua himself says, the Sabbath was made for man. Who made it? God. Yeah. Yeah. He says the Sabbath was, God made the Sabbath for man. Okay, let's just, for, for a second though, let's step back. Let's step back. Let's give unashamed of Jesus uh, a, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more in this area. Let's pretend for a few seconds that the references that we have just made are not direct references to keeping the Sabbath, although I think they are. And let's pretend for a few seconds that disciples of a of a person or of whoever of anyone aren't supposed to mirror their teacher. In other words, Yeshua goes to the Sabbath every single Shabbat, right? As is his mm-hmm. custom. So disciples are supposed to imitate. That's what disciples do. They imitate the the person that they are a disciple of. So if Yeshua does it, we should do it too. Now, I know. I, I've had people say, well, do you wear, you know, do you wear the same stuff that, you know, like <laughs> togas or whatever? Uh, the answer is no. In practice is what we're talking about. We, we practice after the person, you know, even in the Talmud, the disciples of one of the rabbis asks which way their, their rabbi sits on the latrine. Why do they do that? They want to sit on the latrine in the same way. It's pretty extreme, isn't it? Now, that's not what I'm, I'm not saying that we need to do that, but the, but if we love God, if we love Christ so much, we should want to imitate him in practice and theology. Anyway, let's pretend that none of that matters. Let's pretend that none of what we have said so far should be taken into account. Where in the New Testament do we see that it is, that Jesus re-emphasizes that it's wrong to be a cross-dresser? We don't. So does that mean that Jesus is now okay with, in other words, the idea that Jesus has to come along and restate every single thing that's in the Torah, every law that's in the Torah for us to keep it is ridiculous. That, you know, it's at the same point, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Caleb, that you see, quote, what we call alternative human relation lifestyles. Right. Sprinkled as part of the church because the old laws are done away. Is that, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. In other words, Leviticus might say something is uh, an abomination, etc. But because it's not reiterated or because there's this idea that the New Testament church doesn't have any uh, allegiance or responsibility or accountability or what's the word, um, ob- obligation, that that's one of the little notches that, that is used to rationalize deviant behavior. Well, and, and ultimately this comes into a, this, actually, this question, which unashamed of Jesus, thank you for sending this in, by the way, this is a great question. Uh, th- this stems out into a lot of different 
realms of theology. Ultimately, this gets back to the idea that the church has replaced Israel, and the reason why is because the church is not Israel, so this is replacement theology, and then the idea that, uh, the, that God has different laws for Jews and Gentiles. In other words, that God had laws for Israel, but now Israel has been done away with, or Israel has been put on the shelf, um, because you know, because they didn't they didn't accept Christ or whatever, and so now God's dealing with with Gentiles. So God has a totally different way of 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 sanctifying Gentiles. Now, this is something that we totally reject. I mean, we hold to one law theology. There is one law for one people for you know, and there's only one people. We believe in enlargement theology. Obviously, there is distinctions between Jew and Gentile within uh, the scriptures in terms of name. But once a, once a Gentile comes into covenant relationship with uh, yod heh he is, the Gentile is considered to be part of Israel. And oh, there's another one then. There's another, there's a fourth one. Okay, go. Where Yeshua, when he's knocking over the money changing tables. Yes. Yeah, good. He's, he, he cites Isaiah 56. My house shall be called house of prayer for all people. Go read that whole passage. It's about non-Jews coming to worship God and keeping the Sabbath. Right. Yeah, I mean, the idea that— I, Either that or your your suggestion is that Yeshua is just randomly picking one-liners from the Old Testament just because they fit his present agenda, and he, and he doesn't have the original context in mind at all. I guess you could suggest that. Right. I mean, first of all, the idea that that uh, Yeshua has to restate everything that's in the the covenant. The covenant was established by God and says this is forever. And then Yeshua reiterates that in Matthew five seventeen and in Luke, by the way. So, but the idea that Yeshua has to come along and and say, oh, every like I'm going to name every single law that that the that you need to keep from the Torah. I, I think that that premise in and of itself is is a, a bad premise. So, uh, Ellie in the tra- chat room says, two sticks, not one in their eyes. In their eyes, two laws, not one. I'm not sure what that means. I think that, uh, I mean, obviously this, this idea of the two sticks, this comes from the prophets, but uh, has been it has been picked up and ran with, um, oh, in their eyes, not mine, commenting along with them. Got it. Um, yes, I, I mean, this, this has been picked up by the Hebrew Roots Movement uh, back in the 60s, before the Hebrew Roots Movement was the HR Movement. And, uh, and then Bacha Wooten basically took uh, British Israelism and uh, ran with that and made the 1990s version of Two House Theology. Um, and so, yeah, there, I think that that actually has damaged the- theology a lot because we see, you know, it seeps into a lot of different uh, movements, including the Messianic movement, because the Messianic movement has kind of taken that and given their own flair to it, their own, their own take on it, which is that Jews have to keep these laws and Gentiles have to keep these laws. And we're all part of the same house, but we're on in a duplex. We've talked about this many times. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I, back to unashamed of Jesus, uh, the, the, the question that was posed, I think it's a, a, a bad premise to come to, to say that, um, Yeshua has to restate every single law that we need to keep in the apostolic scriptures. I don't, I don't see that at all. Um, and then second of all, I think that even if uh is what you're what it does is you're you're suggesting that Jesus is a new lawgiver. Right. And that that somehow 
he's your new moat that he replaced Moses. Or that, that he, he that, or that he wasn't the one talking to Moses. Exactly. I mean, so there's so many things that it's like, wait a minute, is Jesus just a new Moses? Yeah, it's it's weird premise. But even then, even if that was the premise that we wanted to take, which we don't, by the way, but if that was the premise that we wanted to take, the point is, is that Yeshua basically affirms all Torah, all of it, multiple times, not just once, not just in Matthew 5, 17. I know that that's the go-to because it's it's spelled out so very succinctly, but... Um, you know, and I know what, what Christian commentators have done with that. They've tried to say, oh, well, forever doesn't really mean forever and, and those kind of things. But um, anyway, okay. Uh, good question. Thank you for the question. And let's move on. Oh, before we move on, don't forget to be a part of the conversation. 253-465-3205 and chag at torresource.com. Okay, now, now let's move on. Oh, uh, let me get back to my notes. Just some guy writes in. Now this, Rob and I talked about this on Monday as we were preparing for this show. And I have to admit that we were a, a bit confused by this uh, question or statement. Now, just some guy writes in on a regular basis. And so my my hope is, is that he hears this segment and will then take it and maybe clarify what we're missing. But we're going to talk about it anyway because I think I understand the question. And if I get it wrong, I thoroughly apologize. Here's what just some guy says. He says, I'm in agreement with you on the sacrifices in general, but I struggle with understanding how to address the Day of Atonement and the physical sacrifices needed for it. Okay? I'm with him so far. To greatly paraphrase the book of Hebrews, it reads to me like Yeshua, as the high priest in heaven, has taken over the yearly atonement sacrifice from the Levitical priesthood. That is not how it reads to me. Let's let's stop right here. I I think that uh, this is where I'm going to disagree. I think uh, the idea that Yeshua replaces the Levitical priesthood on the Day of Atonement is not what Hebrews is saying. I think that what Hebrews is saying is that in the heavenly place, in the heavenly temple, Yeshua has gone in one time instead of yearly. So it's different. In other words, there's a different law in heaven than there is on earth. Yeshua took his blood in, presented his blood. His blood was accepted. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he does this for individual sin. In other words, he does this so that I, Caleb Hegg, or Rob Van Hoff, or just some guy can... Uh, can be stand righteous before the Almighty God. Whereas the Levitical priesthood on the Day of Atonement goes into the inner sanctuary as a picture of that, first of all, but he does it for the nation of Israel. He doesn't do it for individuals. It's not so that Caleb Hegg or Rob Van Hoff or just some guy can be purified. It's so that the nation of Israel can be seen as right before God. And ultimately, it's a picture of what the, the high priest in the heavenly court does and did only one time. And he talks about this, right? He says, unlike the, 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 priest who, the priesthood here, who I'm paraphrasing, who had to go in every year, but he did it one time. And so I think, you know, he's saying that the, the priesthood here is a shadow of what's going on, like the, what is really needed. But ultimately, I don't think that he's saying what happened here on earth is now replaced by that. I don't think that that's exactly what's what's going on. So let's. Do you want to say anything about that before I go on? No, keep, no, keep going. 
Okay, so just some guy continues on. I know the law has not waxed old. I know the earthly priesthood and the high priests could have insufficiencies because they are not eternal. Exactly. Could this specific sacrifice with blood being applied to the mercy seat as part of the covenant that specifically required that blood due to the golden calf incident at Mount Sinai, could that sacrifice also have waxed old as part of the old? Okay, hang on. We have to stop here because this is where he totally loses me. Um, As part of the covenant that specifically required that blood due to the golden calf incident at Mount Sinai, that's not why blood was required. Blood was required from the very beginning. On the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then God kills animals to cover Adam and Eve. Blood is not uh, the requirement due to the golden calf incident on Mount Sinai. And the, right. Yeah, that's a really good, that's an important point. Uh, well, I want you to make the point that you, because I don't want to take your thunder. Yeah, uh, on Monday, you brought up that uh, the Day of Atonement in chronological order is given before the golden calf. Talk about that for a second. Right, yeah, that was the one point that I think is part of this larger discussion is, is if someone is suggesting that the Day of Atonement is a response to the golden calf incident, you'd have to go back and look at Exodus because in Exodus, because uh, remember, if I mean, the way to think about it is you have Moses goes up on the mountain and he receives all the, the intricate details of the materials that are going to be brought, that Israel's going to bring, uh, how they're going to be put together to the, to all the different parts of the, the Holy play, you know, the Holy of Holies and all the, you know, the Ark show table of showbread, the, the, you know, menorah, the Holy place, all the stuff, all the vessels of the Mishkan and uh, how they're to be arranged, their sizes, dimensions, materials, everything. Right. So Moses is getting that. Uh, on, on the mountain mount, yeah, and he's the up there for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. And he comes down and they had just made, they, the people couldn't wait that long. Like they're waiting those, those 40 days and they're like, Moses, he must not be coming back. And they build the golden calf. So, uh, but before Moses knows that they're even doing this, right. He's getting instructions of what's going to happen. And that's in Exodus 30, verse 10. Yeah, so in other words, let me let me try to restate succinctly what you have just said. In other words, the Yom Kippur setup is given before Mount Sinai. In other words, this is going to be part of the sacrificial system even before the golden calf incident happens. Right, because a key, and here, here's an important thing to remember, is that the, the altar of incense is an a integral vessel or peace to the in, the interaction of the holy of whole of the spaces between the holy place and the holy of holies right because it's right there by the curtain right it's it's part of the the build design of the whole mishkan <laughs> yeah. is is the altar of incense he's already and it's centering set, around it yeah exactly yeah and and in verse 10 of Exodus 30 Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year 
He shall make atonement on it with the blood of the sin offering atonement once a year throughout your generations. It's most holy to the Lord. So Aaron doesn't even know this yet. Right. Aaron doesn't even know that God has a has a, a something that he's going to be doing. Moses knows it. God's telling Moses that Aaron's going to be doing this. And then that obviously his sons after him, because it says throughout your generations and it's most holy. So then it's, it's after this revelation of the Mishkan that Moses comes down and he hears that they have just done this and who's involved Aaron. Right. This is, this is again, this is a picture of God's uh, forgiveness. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately the point is, is that I, it, and maybe I'm misunderstanding this part of uh, just some guy's question or his statement here, but I, the idea that um, sacrifice and or uh, the Day of Atonement sacrifice is a response to the cold, golden calf incident at Mount Sinai, I I would I would uh, pose that. I I don't believe that that's what's going on. I don't think yeah, that that yeah. can be argued from the text. So anyway, he, the last part of his question is, could that sacrifice also have waxed old as part of the old covenant? Okay, now, hang on just a sec. This is one of my pet peeves, and you're going to have to forgive me on this. But when, when people write in and use the term old covenant, you need to define what you mean by old covenant. Are you using old covenant the way that Paul uses it? That is, that someone who is not saved attempts to please Christ through... Uh, devotion to him, but can't please Christ because they're not in, in Christ. Is that what you mean by old covenant, or are you using it in a way that is never used in the scriptures? So that that would need to be that would need to be understood uh, to to fully comprehend um, what this final statement is. But he says, could that sacrifice also have waxed old as part of the old covenant and be, be replaced in the earthly realm, thus no longer needed? Uh, and and ultimately, it, it, this comes back to our discussion last week of the idea that that we believe that sacrifices will be reinstated during the millennium time at least, um, because it doesn't have to do with a person's spirit, uh, you know, soul being cleansed. It has to do with physical cleansing here on earth. And to that, I would say no. Israel as a nation needs to be uh, continue to be cleansed. Uh, in during the millennium, it seems like there's still sin, there's still death, all those kind of things. And therefore, it seems to me that the sacrificial system, including the Yom Kippur sacrifice, will still be uh, practiced during that time. Anything else on that before we move on? Yeah, well, here's another question. In, in eternity, will we still remember that Jesus died for our sins? Oh, Ooh, that's a good question. Do we I, need to remember that? Yes, I think yes. Well, will I always remember I was a sinner who was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? I or think... will where there will be a time where I where where I'll never remember that I was redeemed. This is a great that... question. My my wife and I were talking about this last night because my wife, Lacasia, she just wrote a fantastic blog post. On yeah, drawing... she's a great writer. She Your wife's a, great a really writer. good writer. Uh, you can find her blog post uh, called I think I titled it uh, "The Question Every Believer Asks." 
uh, or every Christian asks, you can find it on Growing in Messiah. It was just posted this morning. We talk about the. Uh, we were talking last night about her blog post and about the idea that uh, realizing our own depravity, realizing our own sin, and realizing how much we are unable to attain to the holiness of God shows us the need for Christ. But ultimately, it, it sets us up on this uh, love on this love story with Christ himself. In other words, the more we realize how depraved we are, the more we realize how much Christ did for us by coming in and, and paying the price for us and how much he's brought us up to be able to stand uh, in the presence of the Almighty God. And ultimately, this is the the work of the Holy Spirit as well, right? You know, uh, who is Can it? I know, here, another way to think about this is, can I know God's love for me if I don't know my, that I was redeemed, right, ex- exactly, and that's what I'm getting at. Yes, exactly. Well, or or in the in the heaven, will it be like, oh, I'm just like Jesus, like we're all just, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or do I have to for me to properly see who Yeshua is? I have to understand the gospel story. I have to understand creation, revelation, you know, and redemption. With the fall, obviously, creation, fall, you know, the revelation and redemption. If I if I don't, I think, in, in other words, me asking these questions, I, I'm kind of showing my hand. My hand is that I I think that we're always going to remember that. Right. We can say, well, the terms of the new covenant is, is that God says, I'll, I'll forgive your iniquities. I won't remember your sins. What I take that to mean is, yeah, it means we're we're forgiven. It's, it's exemplifying or, or uh, what do you call it? It's underscoring or highlighting his love for us and and our forgiveness. But I think we're always going to remember that we were, uh, we were redeemed because that, that is part of Yeshua's glory is, is his obedience, his perfect obedience to the father in working redemption, working salvation. That's part of his eternal identity. And if I, if I, at some point in the future, you know, that that ceases to be part of my self-understanding, then I I think that that then gets uh, diminished. That diminishes right. Yeshua, who Yeshua is. Completely. Okay, hang on just a sec. We need to stop and take note of the uh, chat room. We have a lot going on. I love the people in our chat room. Um, so Linda, Linda says, covenant obligation. I'm not clear what the topic being explored is. I said, neither are we. Um and maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. Mark Mark in the chat room says, I'm coming against the argument that the law was only for Israel. He won't accept the Exodus narrative. I'm not sure what that means. I really need a solid scripture, preferably an Old Testament reference. Okay. Uh, and, and, then, and then our chat room responds, Leviticus 24, Isaiah 56, Leviticus 24, 11, to be specific. And I would say that the Exodus narrative itself is... So the Passover, right? It says in Exodus 12 that no Gentile is allowed to partake in the in the uh, pass the Passover sacrifice unless they're circumcised. In other words, you have to circumcise the stranger among you. So that's not someone who is a native-born Israelite. That's a Gentile. So if the Gentile is then circumcised and bears the mark of the virgin birth in their flesh which is also the mark of the of the covenant of the Abrahamic covenant then what 
even Paul tells us that they're obligated to the whole Torah, right? So if someone is circumcised and is now taking part in the Passover sacrifice, what does that mean for the rest of the Torah? And I mean, and the, the scriptures just keep coming, Leviticus 24, 23. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there. Okay, let's move on. Let's see if we can get to uh, Lena and her, her question of what in the world we're talking about. Good question. Okay, um, well, Joshua writes in and says this. He says, I guess my question would be then on the stuff that Paul taught. I think it was Colossians where he said, let no man judge you on keeping up the Sabbath or new moon and stuff like that. And then he talked about not being under the law in Romans. So are we just misunderstanding Paul or was he a false teacher? Um, well, if you're taking that to mean that we aren't supposed to keep the Torah, then yes, you're misunderstanding Paul. First of all, we talked last week a little bit about Romans, the idea of being under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? It means to be, un and he, he clarifies this in Romans, it means to be under the condemnation of the law. In other words, we are free to keep the law without the worry of condemnation of it. In other words, Christ has paid the price. We, we don't have a ledger anymore. Um, in terms of uh, right. the, Col the Colossians passage, he is talking about Colossians 2. Let me get to it. Was it 14? Uh, the passage in question is, uh, well, let's start in 13. And you were dead in your trespasses and, your, and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgress tra trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. Hang on. Uh, is it 16? Yes. Sorry. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Aha. This must mean that the Torah doesn't need us, that God doesn't want us keeping these things anymore, right? Um. So, I mean, okay. Here's here. Let, let's let me, start. Let, hey, let's start with this. Let's start by okay. just. Sorry, I'm grabbing something from the uh, chat room. That's good, okay. Good questions going on in the, in the chat room. Um, let's just start with this. My father has written on this in his book, Ten Persistent Questions. I would highly recommend uh, that if you have questions about this, you go read the entire entire chapter. Um, it's specifically on Colossians two. I read it this morning. It's uh, it's a very good chapter. Yeah, my father touches on a lot of different uh, questionable passages like this. Okay, before I t give a take on this, go ahead, Rob. I just wanted to uh, go back to that citation from the question about Romans, Paul saying under the law in Romans. And so I wanted to zero in because there's just two passages in Romans. One's in Romans 2, verse 12, and the other is 319. And that's where great translations, even like the NASB, says under the law. And I'll read those to you from the NASB. So the uh, Romans 2, 12, all have sinned for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So that's one, the first place in Romans where it says under the law. The second is Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, etc. Okay, so these are the two places in, in the NASB that says under the law. But it's uh, a little bit deceiving because it really is 
it's entonomo or ennomo. It's not hupa. It's not under. It's literally in the law. So back to Romans 2.12, the contrast is people who are in the law and people who are out, apart from the law. There's no third option. And the people without the law perish without it. So there's, so without the law is not a good place to be, according to Romans 2.12. And then those who are in the law, that's where sin, they have this, uh, they're going to be judged according to it. Now, Romans 3.19, it says, whatever the law says, it says those who are in the law. Why does this make a difference? Because it's not, it doesn't, he's not talking about the curse in those places, like you point out. Um, under the law does not refer to, uh, it's, it's not a shorthand for covenant members. And I can, I can show you this by 1 Corinthians 9.20. Here's where it actually does say under the law, and the translations get it right, because it's hupa uh, naman. 1 Corinthians 9.20, Paul writes, he says, To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those under the law, as under the law. Not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those without the law, as without the law. Though not being without the law of God, but in the law of Christ. So that I might win those who are without the law. Okay, what's the point? The, the core point here is that he says, to Jews, I became as a Jew, so I could win Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law. So the point is like, well, wait a minute. Wouldn't that be the same? Are those, is Paul imagining two different people groups? Jews? Well, normally we'd say, oh, Jews represents people who are covenant people. But then what does he mean by those who are under the law as a separate group of uh, a separate group? And the, what I take this to mean is that the, the, when he's talking about those who are under the law, he's referring as a specialized, almost like a, a sectarian groups that adopt uh, more stringent um, halakot or ways of, of, of living that he'll go and he'll, Try to you'll build relationship with them to interact with them, but it, but he says at the end this is First Corinthians nine twenty one, not being without the law of God, but in the law of Messiah, in the law of Christ. In other words, Paul's not saying that he's lawless. What he's trying to do, he doesn't have language to to describe like we sectarianism and and you know he doesn't have this termini, terminology of of sociology to talk about group groups in in group and out group dynamics and honor and shame and how how societies build themselves up over against other societies he doesn't he's not quick with this kind of language and so he's using a different kind of language but he's clarifying that he himself before god is obligated to what he calls the law of christ which is the torah of the messiah it's torah that it's the torah the way yeshua teaches Torah. And why? That just Because that's different than the Torah you learn at the Essenes community or the Torah that's taught at the local Sadducean community headquarters or at the local Pharisee headquarters. They're not all the same. And so he's anchored in 
the law of Messiah. In Galatians, under the law specifically, is under the curse of the law, because he even clarifies it. He'll say, under the curse of the law, and then he'll shorthand that to under the law. But the context is always, in Galatians, has to do with those who are need to be redeemed from the curse. And the redemption from the curse of being under the law is the same thing that Daniel's talking about in Daniel 9, you know, repenting in exile, saying we are under the curses of, of, the, of the law that were written by Moses, because we've all transgressed, you know, our, our, our leaders, our kings, our princes have transgressed your law. And now we're suffering the consequences. And we need redemption. So th- that's the way I see that, is that, again, I, I love the NASB. I'm grateful for all the, the hard work of, of all the translators that, that are diligent to learn the languages and, and produce Bibles in English and other languages. But we've, we, we've got to remember that there, are, there is theological bias can creep in. And I think that's what's happened with the NASB here, particularly Romans 2, 12 and, and 3, 19. So, uh, I'll stop there. No, very good. Excellent. I was going to yell preach at one point, but uh, I figured that that would, that would get you off, off track. Preach it! Okay. Um, so let's now move to the Colossians passage. I think that the Coloss- uh, Colossians passage is uh, one that is brought up often. And for, for good reason, it seems as though if you take, and <laughs> this is, this is uh, I think, the key to this passage. If you take that one verse and you just quote that one verse and have nothing else around it, then it sounds like Paul is saying that you don't have to keep the Sabbath. But as so many teachers often say, context is king. And so I think the context of Colossians 2 is um, quite uh, important for this verse in particular. I don't think that we should take this verse out of the context. We have to understand the context around it. Um, so let's start in 6, Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now I'm in verse 8. This is important. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So first of all, we need to ask the question, is the Torah and the Sabbath and the new moons and all these things, are they empty, deceit, philosophies, and traditions of men? And the answer is no. These are the word of God. And so Paul is talking to a specific group of people about something that's happening. Remember that Paul is writing a letter to the Colossians about something that's happening in their communities. And what's happening is that apparently someone has come in and is talking about uh, man-made tradition. And it seems as though, and, and we'll find this from the rest of the passage, it seems as though they are placing upon people uh, man-made tradition and saying that if they don't keep the man-made tradition, they're not righteous. And we see this throughout the apostolic scriptures. We see this a lot in Acts. 
We see it in Galatians. We see it in Romans. We see it in Ephesians. Um, so there's multiple places where man-made tradition seeps in, and people are saying, if you don't do it our way, you're not in. And I believe that this is what's going on here as well. He says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. <clears throat> in other words, our faith in Christ is what gets us in. It is not man-made philosophies or traditions. In him also you were, were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is he referencing here? He's referencing covenant relationship. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power, uh, powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. In other words, it we are justified through Christ and through faith in Christ. Continuing on in 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. In other words, you're in. You are in. You are a covenant member. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. This he set aside. Exactly. This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, in other words, for therefore attaches all that he's just said into the statement below. Therefore, after I've said all this. What's the conclusion? Let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. In other words, these man-made traditions that all these people are saying, if you don't do it our way, if you don't wash your hands this way, you know, if you grab the, the pot to wash your hands this way, or if you, you know, if you eat this food from the market instead of this food from the market, or if you reckon your Sabbath, you know, by doing this instead of doing this or whatever, you're not in, leave all that behind. That's what he's saying. He's not saying don't do the Sabbath. Don't imagine uh, imagine what we were talking about earlier. Yeshua knocking over the the tables of the money changers, citing Isaiah fifty six. What's the problem there? This house of prayers is called a house will be called the house of prayer for all peoples. Right. But you've made it a den of thieves. What does that mean? It means that you're you've hijacked what was for all the world to your own gain. And therefore you're misrepresenting the covenant. You're right. misrepresenting the God of Israel to the nations. And you're, and what they were doing as they were controlling, they were using the market to control access to God. Right. To, and so some people would come and, Oh, you, you know, giving them, giving them grief. I mean, it's it's a different version of what we see the whole Acts fifteen about. Yeah, and Alfred, what, what, and the letter, the epistle, the, you know, the the apostolic decree or that was written out and sent to the churches, it says that people have they've disturbed your soul, they've troubled your souls, and they didn't come. We didn't send them to do that. What? Why were their souls troubled? Because because all of a sudden they found out that their god, their new god that they worshipped, had a. a commandments no that's not what troubled their soul they abandoned idolatry because they believed in the true and the living god right what troubled their souls was in their growth of learning of the god of israel and joy of being reckoned as children of abraham there were thugs 
religious thugs coming around telling them that they didn't really belong unless, like Caleb was just saying, unless you do it our way. Okay, hang on just a sec. What you just said, it, it, Paul says this in 18. So to, uh, what we read was in 16, right, about the Sabbaths and new moons. Listen to what he says in, in 18. He clarifies his statement. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through right. its joints and ligaments right. grows with uh, a growth that is from God. Right. And those weren't those weren't blatant paganism religions. Right. Those were Judaism, the types of Judaism. Yes. Those were versions of Judaism that had appeal to new believers because it was all new culture. You, if we remember, like for a Gentile who who believes in the gospel, they have they're abandoning a whole, you know, who knows what kind of idolatry they were involved in. And they're embracing an entire it's an entire open brand new world for them. And they're they're like these little fresh little sprouts. Right. And Paul is super zealous to protect those sprouts and let them grow and and get strength, uh, you know, so that they stand strong and bear fruit. But there, there's a certain naivete, right? Or naiveness that they, that they're vulnerable to attacks by people, by the people at the borders, you know, the spinsters, the people on the market that are selling religion because they come and they're like, yeah, well, let me, Oh, you love the God of Israel. Don't you? Oh, well, let me tell you about him. Yeah. Well, who's gonna who's gonna protect? And this is the role of of teachers right. in the body of Christ, is to help help believers grow in discernment of what is the Torah of Christ, what is the law of Christ, versus what are the what are the wolves selling? They all they all use the same terms. Oh, he, Hebrew, or you know, it's like it's all the it's like those you know teachers that that don't believe in Jesus, but they make their living selling to believers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explain that to me. Right. They, so, ma- they, they, they make their living selling religion to believers in Jesus when they themselves don't even believe. Yeah. Alfred says it great. He says, uh, to understand, you need to start in Colossians 1. And so, yeah, he's right. In other words, start reading from the beginning of the letter and understand exactly what, why Paul is writing and what Paul and who Paul is writing to. Right. Super high, high Christology, we would say, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And we, and this is the, that's back to our other point. We're never Christology, even in the, in the world to come, our Christology will be very high. (laughs) We don't, you know, and what that means is we don't forget. We don't forget how awesome Yeshua is and what he did for us. Never. That's part of eternal. That's part of the eternal story is, is Yeshua's glory. Yeah. Which so- means our redemption, not that we don't wallow in depravity. That's not forever. Obviously, that's not it. But we, re- we celebrate God's love and our redemption forever. We're going to end on this one because Abishek uh, wrote in on Colossians 2.14 and said, Is it not the certificate of my sins 
that has been nailed to the cross, according to Colossians 2.14. Yeah, it is. But the question is, is what is the, why, why do you have a certificate of sin? And Paul talks about basically the different functions of the law. In other words, when, when there's a law, it shows you what sin is. If there was no law, I wouldn't know that coveting is wrong. Right, it's only because Romans of, seven. He, yeah, Romans seven is a great place to review where he where he unpacks that. Right, and so it's so the condemnation of the law is what is nailed to the cross. In other words, our the certificate of our sins, saying that that you know the law saying what you have done is wrong. Yeah, that is what lets me know that I've done something wrong, and the flesh. Paul talks about this in Romans as well. The flesh is what we're wrestling against because I have flesh in me. And, and because of that, my, my flesh pulls me to do what's wrong. It pulls me toward, against the Torah. And what Christ has done is he's nailed that certificate of sin. He's nailed the condemnation of the law to the cross, meaning that I am free to keep the law through Christ, which means the, the works of the law are now seen only through self, only through justification through faith. In other words, only because I'm justified do my works now get recognized as good. And once again, back to my wife's article, I I cannot uh, recommend it enough. It is very good, uh, and it's short. It's about a page long. But the idea that I can do it myself, you know, I'm not good enough to be saved, is the question that we always like that every believer thinks at some point in their life. How can God, you know, how am I doing enough? These are the things that we bring up. And the answer is no, you're not good enough. No, you're not going to be able to do anything. No, you, you, you take it out because none of that matters. What matters is Christ. Only because Christ dies on the cross and makes us new and we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit does God see any work that we do as good. It's only because of Christ. It's not because we're doing anything good ourselves. And that's the point. And that's that's, and what we're doing. We all, in a way, have our own reformation. Exactly. Process. Yes. Exactly. We have to go. We have to learn the same. the The things that we say, oh, that we value, what you know, Luther taught, like that. It's it's just because it's it's a an example of what we all have to go through. Is this idea of our of our own depravity? God doesn't want us to be live in pretend land right where i'm in a pretend like this imaginary space where yeah i was a sinner yeah <laughs> i guess that sometimes i'm a sinner but now i'm forgiven no it it needs it it's it's real it's it's wow it's like paul like paul in his own writing says man i i'm a chief of sinners right like why does why does paul's you know i've heard it argued that there's some people who suggest if you look at paul's uh, semi-biographical statements about his own sin, like I persecuted the church of God, you know, in Galatians, or I am a chief sinner, that that his language as his letters, as the time go by, now it, it would assume a certain sequence of his epistles, but that he actually gets more and more uh, uh, the gravity of his own sin becomes more and more right. real. Yes. It doesn't mean that he's continuing in sin. It's that he's, re that he's seen uh, the, the cost, you know, what he, how, you know, how, uh, what do you call it? How undeserving 
more and more and more and more depraved uh or he's seen his depravity and more and more clarity maybe that's the way seeing it which all which all the more goes to yeshua's glory because for paul to say in galatians he loved me and he gave himself for me and right. he redeemed me that's 20 years after the cross he's writing that yeah maybe Absolutely. He's, and he's seeing Yeshua's love in greater and greater terms, even though it's fixed. It's not like Yeshua's love actually is growing for Paul. It's that Paul is the one who's changing, not Yeshua. Yes. It's it's awesome. Good discussion today. So Joshua is in the chat room. He is the person who asked about the Colossians uh, and the new moons and the Sabbath. And Joshua, I want to let you know that uh, we are going to... Uh, get to your other question about the 613 commandments. We're going to talk about that next week. So thank you, Joshua, for your uh, thought-provoking questions. We will continue to look at them uh, next week. We have actually quite a few more things that we can talk about next week, but I would encourage you all, if you have questions, if you have comments, if you think we're right, wrong, uh, if you think we're uh, theological giants or theological morons it doesn't matter we don't care one way or the other uh i mean we care but we what we want is you to tell us about it and you can do that in several different ways you can give us a call 253-465-3205 it's 253-465-3205 this is not a uh you're not going to get us it's not like an office line it's just a answering machine and uh so go on there and tell us what you think and uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, in in a message form. You can also shoot us an email if you want to uh, sit down and, and write out your thoughts. You can do that too. Chegg at TorahResource.com is my email address. It's C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. I'm going to tell you once again that you need to go to Torah Resource right now if you want to uh, take advantage of the sale on our physical books. If you want to take advantage of a sale on digital books, you can do that on Black Friday itself. And uh, there will be some great, some great values there. But if you want to get physical books sent to you, you should go to Torah Resource right now and check those all out because we have a sale going on. Also, I've referenced it several times, but I would encourage you also to go to growinginmessiah.com. My wife has written a wonderful blog post that uh, I highly recommend. I was encouraged by it and uh, just thought, you know, and like Rob said, she is a much better writer than I ever could be. She's a very. Well, good I never writer. said she's bad. I just said she's a good writer. I didn't compare. But she's a good writer, and I'm not. Okay, so. okay, twist my arm. She's much better than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I admit it. I admit it 100. She's a great writer, and and uh, her her blog post uh, as I was posting, I just thought, man, this is really encouraging. So I'd encourage you to go to uh, growingmessiah.com and check that out as well. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been a good show. Thank you, Rob, for all of your uh, comments and everything. Thank you, chat room, for being a part of it. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, if not many more. But that one thing is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.